like a compass. The Bible will point you in the right direction. The Bible stands alone. It has absolutely no competition. It is the only book in the world that has been given and inspired by the Spirit of God Almighty. I should have heard a great big amen on that. Yes, there is no book in the world like this Bible. There's no religion in the world like Christianity. No, uh -uh. it stands on the top shelf all by itself. Doesn't need any props, doesn't need any support. All it needs is believers. That's all it needs. People who are hungry, people who believe the Word of God. Like a compass, the Bible will point you in the right direction. Amen. It'll tell you what direction to go. In this very confused world, and our world is confused tonight, going back to last Sunday's lesson, and by the way, next Sunday in the adult class, we will study the lesson for next Sunday, August the 14th which is on the subject of patience. Patience. Somebody said, I've got patience to burn. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. But oh, thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. It will point you in the right direction. The Word of God will point you in the right direction. Praise God. And I will give you pastors after or according to mine heart, which will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. God said he would give pastors. And this would be their job, to feed with knowledge and with understanding. Remember, a pastor is a gift from God. The ministry is a gift from God. Treat the gifts as you ought. Treat the gifts as you ought. God said, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. Uh, Pastor, you've used this verse a lot. Yeah, I'm going to use it a lot more. Because we're, re we're reinforcing a truth that needs to be reinforced in these times. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear. Everybody say, ready to hear. Than to give the sacrifice of fools. Well, for they consider not that they do evil. 
And so they do evil, and they come to the house of God and give their offerings and sacrifices, but they are fools because they do evil. And God does not smile upon their offerings. He does not smile upon their sacrifices. And we've used this verse before, too. It's just a prelude to where we're going. That's out of Ecclesiastes 5 and verse number 1. For all of you that are taking notes out of the wisdom of Solomon that God gave to him. The, my people, and this is a very heavy-duty scripture, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. See, God gave us this and gave us the ministry that we would learn to love his word and love his ways and love his judgments and love his truths. But if we reject this, as many are doing in this day, God said, I will reject thee. He means business about his word. He's not playing games about this Bible. God is not playing games with this Bible. This is his love letter to the world, but especially to the church, especially to the household of faith. Don't raise your hand. Don't say amen. Don't do anything. But have you taken time to read his word today and to meditate therein and uh, contemplate the contents of this book today? Or have you been too busy to spend time with his word? He means business. And this is quite a statement from the prophet Hosea. Quite a statement. God is speaking. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest unto me. But he went on. It went deeper. The result is even greater. Watch this. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Dad and mom, the yoke is upon you that you read this, believe this, obey this, and hearken to the ministry that God has given you because your children will suffer if you don't. This is from the book of, High, of Hosea. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6. Beautiful scripture that ought to put the fear of God in our hearts as dads and moms, as fathers and mothers, and everybody say amen. amen. Well, let's look at our lesson. That was a prelude to where I wanted to take you. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not he 
that can do anything against you. That is so weird that he would say that. He is the king and had power to do something. But this was his way out. He did not like the man of God. So he put the burden of responsibility on the enemies of the man of God. He's in your hand to do with him what you want to do. I'm free. No, King Zedekiah, I'm afraid you're not free. This was a compromise and a way of escape. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah, the son of Hamalek. These were in dark, dark days in Israel's history. Very dark days in Israel's history. Israel was not walking with God. Do you know that out of the many, many kings that Israel had and the many, many kings that Judah had, I think 19 on the one side, 20 on the other. Out of all these kings, there was only three good kings, good leaders in Israel. Don't be too disturbed about leadership in America because it's happened before. Read, read the history of the kings of Israel. Read the history of the kings of Judah and watch what took place with most of them being wicked, wicked kings. Only three out of the 39 that were good kings. And yet God was involved in it all. That's the beautiful thing. That's the exciting thing. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah, the son of Hamalek, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords in the dungeon. Some of us think it's hard living for God. Some of us think we're going through so much living for God. Honey, you didn't go, you don't go through anything like Jeremiah went through. Let this lesson talk to us tonight. Let this lesson talk to you tonight. It was a bad, dark day in the history of, of the nation. And they weren't treating prophets very In fact, most people don't like prophets. The Bible's filled with that. They didn't like Isaiah. They didn't like John the Baptist. They didn't like Jesus. No, most people don't like a prophet because a prophet doesn't just tell them what they want to hear. He tells them what they don't want to hear. But you see, today's generation, they don't want none of that. 
Preach to us nice things. Preach to us smooth things. Preach to us things that will tickle our ears. And didn't Paul deal with that in his letter to Timothy? He said the time would come when they would heap, some, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they would turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables, unto myths. And we are there. And uh, that was in the court of the prison. They let down Jeremiah with cords into the dungeon. And in the dungeon, there was no water. In the dungeon, no water for the man of God. But mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Either up to his armpits or his neck. History says. And we think we've got it rough living for God and some live on the edge of living for God they're only in so far and it wouldn't take too much to trip them and they'd be back in the world I'm right on target why did Rachel Brown leave us. And nobody knows where she's at. Lost out with God sitting right here in the pew. I've got your attention because I'm telling you it's the truth. You don't know what's going on in people's hearts. Sitting right in the house of God. In the house of God they can be faithful but in heart backslid in their heart. Waiting for some certain little something's going to trigger them going back into the world. Anybody know where Rachel's at? Her dad doesn't know where she's at. Her sister doesn't know where she's at. No. She's bailed out. Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Tradition says either up to his armpits or his neck. Because they didn't like a prophet, didn't like the man of God, didn't like the things he was saying. This is out in Jeremiah chapter 38. Now with that in mind, tradition says that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations 3 while he was in the dungeon. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to go with me to Lamentations 3. And I don't have it on screen. We're just going to stop and read it. I like for us to read it. And you follow me as we look at the book of Lamentations. He wrote it, Lamentations 3. He was called the weeping prophet because of his great lamentation. Lamentations number three, and he wrote this, so tradition says, while he was in the dungeon. However, I wonder how he could do that. I'm at Lamentation three. Are you there? I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. 
surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and compassed me with gall and travail. He has set me in dark places as they be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made me my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my paths crooked. He was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in secret places. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. I was a decision to all my people and their song all the day. He hath filled me with bitterness. He hath made me drunken with wormwood. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forget or forget prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will hope in him. And before we read on, folks, he is in a mess he has been cut off. He feels like God's against him. But he still keeps his hope and his faith in God regardless of his circumstances. I want to help your faith tonight with this simple lesson. Because some of us, some of us just live on the edge. It's so hard living for God. It's so rough living for God. There isn't any of you including myself and my wife, that have gone through what Jeremiah went through. We've got it good. We are blessed. We are spoiled because we've got it so good. Come on. Amen. This is what the prophet Jeremiah went through. This is his own testimony while he's in the dungeon. Oh, my, what a tragedy. 
verse number 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my mess, regardless of my hopelessness. I'm still having hope in God. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. But folks don't want to wait. They wanted it yesterday. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his old age. What? What? I can't hear you. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. While you're young, while you got your strength, while you got vigor, vim, and vitality, while you got your health. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone, keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth to the dust. It is, if so be, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. 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 After a while he will move, he will answer prayer. But though, though, though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not flick willingly, nor grieve the children of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the Most High. To subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not, out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands let us lift up our heart with our hands.
hands. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto the God of heavens. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto the God of heaven. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto the God of heaven. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast made us as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouth against us. Fear and a snare has come upon us. Desolation and destruction. Mine eye, mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission till the Lord look down and behold from heaven. Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Mine enemies chased me sore like a bird without cause. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. They even put a stone on top of the dungeon. I'm down in the muck and the mire and there's no water for me to drink. And they've put a stone on top of the dungeon. Oh, water's flooded over mine head and I said I am cut off I cried upon I called upon thy name O Lord out of the low dungeon thou hast hurt my voice hide not thine ear at my breathing at my cry thou drawest near in the day that I called upon thee, thou saidest, Fear not, O Lord, thou hast pleaded the cause of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life, O Lord, thou hast seen my wrong. Judge thou my cause, thou hast seen all their vengeance all their imaginations against me. Thou hast heard their reproach, O Lord, and all their imaginations against me. This are the lips of those that rose up against me and their device against me all the day. Behold, they're sitting down and they're rising up. I am their music. Render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them sorrow of heart. Thy curse upon them. Persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens. 
of the Lord. Would you still live for God if you was in that situation? Would you still live for God if you was in that situation? None of us have tasted anything like that. But he kept his faith in God. Even when it felt like God was persecuting him. God was against him. God didn't love him. God didn't even know where he was. And some of us have gone through some of those places. And you may be there tonight. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your hope. Keep it in Jesus. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. That man had a burden for his country. Even in his distress, in his anguish, in the dungeon, in the muck, in the mire, he had a burden for his nation. He was concerned about his people. He wasn't living just for self. He was living for his country and for the God of his country, appealing to God, appealing to God for his country. And oh, God help us somehow to appeal unto God for our country because we care. Mine eye trickleth down. See, he's called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah gave us the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentation. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Call him a ball baby if you want to. He perpetually cried, tears, 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 tears. I mean, he's a man's man, but he knows how to weep, and he's brokenhearted over, over his own country and, and the desolation and the destruction and the wickedness and the iniquity of Israel. He is brokenhearted about the whole thing. Mine eye trickleth down without any intermission, weeping, 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 weeping. The weeping prophet, till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven. Till God answers prayer. You notice what we read in Lamentation 3? He said, you've covered yourself with a cloud that our prayer will not pass through. Well, I have felt that many times. I felt like my prayer wasn't going any higher than my head. Jeremiah felt that way. You will too. There will be instances in your life when you feel like your prayer won't get any higher than your head. Keep on praying. Just keep on praying. 
Just go on and pray regardless of what you think, regardless of how you feel. Till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven, he's interceding in prayer for his nation and not for himself only. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Because of all the daughters of my city, what I see in Israel hurts me, grieves me. I can't stand it. And I'm weeping, 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 weeping for my countrymen. I want to see them do right. I want to see them do good. I want to see them please God. I want to see them blessed by God. But today's society, and far too often in the church, all we're concerned about is just me and my family. Don't care about the country. Let the country go to hell. Who cares? Mine eye affected my heart because of all the daughters of my city. This is his supplication. Mine I affected mine heart. Wow. Wow. What we see does affect our hearts. The eye gate is quite a gate. Thank God for sight. Pussycat. Pussycat, where have you been? Oh, I've been to London to see the Queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what saw you there? I saw a little mouse under her chair. Is that all you saw? That's all I saw. Why? Because I'm a cat. I didn't see her chair. I didn't see her. I didn't see the beautiful draperies. I didn't see the beautiful room and the chandeliers and all the beauties and splendor of the room. All I saw was a little mouse. If you're carnal you will look at the world through carnal eyes. But if you're spiritual-minded, you will look at the world through spiritual eyes. The reason the cat saw the mouse is because it was a cat. It wasn't a human being. It wasn't an individual. It wasn't a woman. It wasn't a man. Just a cat. You'd expect the cat to see the mouse. And that's what she saw. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let not man... Let no man say when he is tempted. God tempted me. 
I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted. And every man is tempted. There isn't a living soul but what he is tempted. Everybody has temptation. But every man is tempted. When he is drawn away, drawn away of his own lust and enticed, drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's Scripture. That's Bible. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's out of James chapter 1, all those scriptures. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But, he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If we take it to the Lord in prayer, and if we will resist the devil, he will flee from us. And the scripture tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't entertain him. Don't have fellowship with him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for those of you taking notes. Jesus taught, you have heard that it was said by them of old time in the Old Testament under the law of Moses, in the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on the mount, thou shalt not commit adultery of them of old time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I, Jesus, say unto you, that whosoever looketh upon a woman, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. For the eye affecteth the heart. The eye affecteth 
the heart. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking at a woman. Unless you're lusting after her. That's the key. If it was wrong to look at a woman, we men ought to be blind. I've got no business standing here teaching you with women all over this. But see, the key is lusting after her, which this society does. This society is loaded with that. I might include there are some women who lust after men. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is what Jesus taught. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman for the purpose of lusting after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. God is concerned about the condition of our hearts, what we let in our hearts through the eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the taste gate, the touch gate, our five senses. According to the scripture in Hebrews, we need to exercise our five senses to know the difference between right and wrong. That's in Hebrews. It's there, plain as the nose on your face. This is why Paul wrote to the Hebrew saints because they were not exercising their five senses, the eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the tongue gate, the touch gate, to know the difference between right and wrong. To become mature saints, mature Christians. Knowing the difference, knowing the difference, knowing the difference. That's out of Matthew number 5. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Everybody say the godly. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. He knows how to do that because he's God. He's the sovereign one. He is the great monarch of the universe. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and they despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, not my mind. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, having eyes full of adultery, 
and that cannot cease from sin, having eyes full of adultery, and mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Beguiling, tricking, unstable souls in an unstable generation, in an unstable society, in a society where everything is shaking that can't be shaken. Beguiling, unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Ooh, this is dealing with lust, covetousness. We want, we want, we want, we want this and we want that and we want this and we want that and we want this and we want that. I want this and I want covet, 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 covet. Cursed children. Out of 2 Peter chapter 2 by the apostle Peter who told us how to be saved. Jesus taught the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6. Here's another version of that. No one is able to serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to the one and will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money is a wonderful servant, but it's a horrible master. And in our generation, it has become the master of many lives. The Federal Reserve Chairman, Mr. Ben Bernanke, I guess he met with Congress yesterday. They have extended the present interest rates until 2013 for two more years because they're troubled about the economy in America. Our economy is in trouble. 
they don't want to see it crash. I hope you just heard me. And Wall Street has been going like this yesterday and today. It's not even. It's not gradual. It's like a roller coaster. Investors, they're scared. The economy is in trouble worldwide. Worldwide, the economy is in trouble. You know what's happening? I read it to you Sunday morning. Jesus said, when you hear of wars and commotions, instability, disorder, the end is not yet by and by. We're living in an unstable, disordered world. It's getting ready for the Antichrist. It's getting ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. It's getting ready for this world to follow after a false Christ. The stage is being set. It's going to happen. It's, gonna, it's no time to forget God now. It's no time to forget the things of God now. No, 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 no. You better be mighty thankful you've got a job. You better be mighty thankful you've got a job and do everything in your power to keep that job. I said, do everything in your power to keep that job. He said, well, I don't like my job. You better thank God for your job, that you've just even got a job. Our eyes affect our heart. Television, VCR, DVD, internet, computer, email, text messaging, Facebook, Twitter, right or wrong. We've got more things at our fingertips to affect our eyes than we have ever had. When I was growing up in our home, you've heard me say it before, we didn't have television. We didn't have microwaves. We had a two-party black dial telephone. Two parties used the line. Black telephone we had no computers we had no cell phones we had a radio we had a radio a radio about that tall sat on the kitchen cabinet in the kitchen and every evening at 6 o'clock my dad got the 6 o'clock news listening to Walter Winchell. And yet, multitude of today's young people, I'm bored. Oh, get off of it. You don't know what bored is. I was never bored. I didn't have anything to, to miss. How can you miss what you don't have? 
We didn't have television. We didn't have VCR. We didn't have DVDs. We didn't have microwave. Didn't have internet. Didn't have computers. Didn't have any of those things. Our eyes affect our hearts. A person who is a fault finder has eye trouble. This affects the heart. And a person who is a fault finder can find fault with anybody because everybody has faults. There isn't a person alive but what has faults in somebody's eyes. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, Greece, his spirit was stirred in him. His spirit was stirred in him. Why was his spirit stirred in him? When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. He was moved by what he saw. The scripture says in Matthew, Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. Our eyes affect our heart. Oh, that it would be for righteousness. Oh, that it would be for godliness. Oh, that it would be for holiness. Oh, that we would see the world through his eyes by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God. Apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, waiting in Athens, Greece, a great, great city of education, but filled with idolatry. They had idols all over that city of mass education and a paramount or great, great knowledge and education can lead to idolatry. And the Apostle Paul, full of the Holy Ghost, one of the most educated men who ever walked on the face of the earth, but had a fantastic and gigantic experience in the new birth. His spirit was stirred within him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. When you walk out of this house tonight, and you get up in the morning, Go your way. What do you see? What do you see? What does your eye see? Souls? Souls that need the gospel? Souls that need the gospel? People that are unsaved? People that are lost? People that need God? Or do you just see a man in certain trousers and a woman in a dress or pants or 
just automobiles or what do you see? Mine eye affected mine heart. Mine eye affected mine heart. Jeremiah saw his nation. He saw the desperate, desperate situation of his nation. And he wept and he wept and he wept. I know a preacher. He's still alive. He's way up in years. I haven't seen him in years. But years and years ago, he pastored in Vancouver, British Columbia. And he took a trip, a missions trip to the Philippine Islands. He was quite a preacher in his own right. He was number 17 of 21 children. His mom and dad had 21 kids. I mean, that's the same mom and the same dad. And he was number 17. He went to the Philippine Islands just on a missions trip. And when he come back from the Philippines, he was weeping, 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 weeping. He saw their deep poverty and their deep need for the gospel, and his eye affected his heart. Do you know what happened? He left, gave up his church and went to the Philippines and was there for many, many years. His eye affected his heart. Does your eye affect your heart when you see this world in its despicable, abominable situation? Or are we hard-hearted, calloused, and as Brother Urshan, our former general superintendent, in a letter he wrote to the ministry, he said, we are a shock-proof generation. We are a shock-proof generation. We are a shock-proof generation. What do you see that affects your heart? What do you see that affects your heart. An apostle Paul in Athens, Greece, saw the whole city, the city wholly given to idolatry. His spirit was stirred within him. Oh, God, that's in Acts 17 for you that are taking notes. What? Do your eyes see? Mine eye affecteth my heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Praise God. Let us stand together. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's talk to him, church. I think we need to pray over this lesson tonight. That God would give us a passion a burden 
for the souls of men? Are we so caught up with this life? Are we so caught up with the demands of this world? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. The Christ. The Son of the living God. Lord, you said in your word that your word would not return unto you void, but it would accomplish the thing for which it was sent. And, oh, God, this word has gone forth tonight, gone forth tonight on the wings of your purpose and your presence. And I pray, Lord, that the word of God will have been able to find a place to lodge within our hearts. The word of God could find a place to live and dwell within us, being our motivation. Oh, God, help us at the palace of praise with burden, with passion, with the zeal for souls, for the souls of men. Oh, God, we beseech you tonight, Lord God, that our eye will affect our hearts when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God and the cause for which you freely gave your life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Praise God. While you're standing, I'd like for us to pray for all those that I'm aware of that are not here tonight. I'm assuming that. Daryl Sparks' family is in travel back to Beaverton. And Sister Hannah Eisen and Abby are both gone. And Brother Dave Novick and Shanna are gone. And Brother Shaw, I believe, is in Idaho tonight. And Sister Patsy's gone. And Sister Siona Novick is gone. There may be others that need our prayer. But let's pray for them right now since we're in the house of prayer. Pray for our brothers and our sisters. And Lord, we bring these needs to you tonight again, asking, Lord, that the favor of your, your grace would rest upon the elder Thomas Sparks and Sister Joyce Sparks there in St. Peter's, Missouri. Oh, Lord, at this season of their lives, in his infirmity, in their adversity, the grace of God to favor them the hand of God to be upon Brother, Brother Darrell and Sister Rachel Sparks and the children tonight, wherever they may be, in their travels with Brother Dave Novick and Shanna, his daughter, and Siona Novick and, and Sister Anne Heisen and Abby and Brother Shaw and Sister, Sister Patsy Shaw. May the hand of God be upon all of these tonight. We love them. We thank you for them. And, Lord, we are our brother's keeper. And help us, Lord, to incorporate them in our prayers, in our seeking of your face. The hand of God would be upon them all tonight. Lord, we especially pray with remembrance for Sister Betty Parkey tonight, her sons and her daughters and grandchildren in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, lost their, her husband and the father of their children and their grandfather 
Lord, may your hand be upon that family tonight in their grief, in their sorrow, in their heartache. Oh, God, may the comfort of the Comforter and the consolation of the Scriptures and the fellowship of the saints be of encouragement and uplifting to each one of them. Lord, we ask tonight for them and in the days to come, in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Does anybody think about Ryan and Heidi, where they might be able to go the 15th through till the 1st? Okay, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.